ever listener mail episode of mental flog everybody my name is bishop and tonight i have jeff and ariel so here's the fun fact this is a bonus episode beyond our once a month recording that we've been releasing and ariel's episode is being recorded after this so you guys just get to listen to her advice and you uh, don't really get to know who she is until later on next month when her episode releases so Guys, we have eight different questions we're going to answer tonight. Is everybody ready? Yeah. So our first question is going to be an audio question. And uh, let me just tell you, if you're new, you can reach out to us by leaving us a voicemail. And our actual number is 435-538-9556. And you can even text that number. So guys, I'm going to go ahead and load up this first audio for the question. Everybody ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. All right, here it is, everybody. Hello, Bishop and Jeff. I just wanted to say that I love the episodes. They help me out quite a bit. But on to my question. I've been separated from my ex-wife now for six years. And I still haven't figured out how to get over her and how to move on. What is some advice for that? Thank you. All right, first off, thank you for being our first person to actually call and leave us a voicemail. Let us use your audio. So big round of applause for that. Who wants to answer this one first, guys? Uh, one, two, three, not it. <laughs> Ariel just did nose go, so that makes it my turn. Uh, I feel like six years is kind of a long time, and I honestly wish this was a two-way conversation because it, it does pose some questions. But I think one of the biggest things that you should ask yourself right now is what are you doing for you? What are you doing to be your own person? And how are you showing yourself love? It seems like there needs to be a disconnect from what was and what is, and you just haven't processed that yet. Honestly, if you want to call back in or text and have a little bit more of a conversation, I would not be opposed to getting a little bit more information and more dialogue on this to further help you with this problem. But like I said, that's my biggest thing is what are you doing for you right now to separate what was from what is? So I guess I will chime in here, giving a bit of my uh, wizardly advice uh, and say with this, what I would recommend um, would be seeking out a practitioner and doing what they call a cord cutting ritual. Now, without going into anything too woo woo, supernatural, anything like that, I'm just saying psychologically, there is a lot of power behind rituals like this. What this is doing is this is, Kind of mentally giving you a separation from that. Putting that energy behind you. Wiping the slate clean. And having an actual formal ritual. Which is you finally making the leap. And deciding I am going to put this behind me. I am going to start over again. It is my time now. What do you think Ariel? Well I loved both of those answers. Um, and I, I love how you're like not to be too woo. That was woo woo. What are you talking about? <laughs> like that was, I was like, whoa, cord cutting. Okay, right to it. Um, and, and, but yes, I love both those answers. And I do think, I mean, you know, to kind of to Bishop's point is, you know, redirecting the focus off of your ex-wife 
and and refocusing it on yourself, you know. And again, I have questions um, that I would like to ask as well. Yeah, like what are you doing? Uh, oh, that was what I was going to say. Um, looking at, I, again, I don't know the, the details, but looking at this as like not of as a rejection, but as a redirection and being able to, you know, figure out what you, it is that you want to do with your life. So I think I'm going to kind of call it as I see it and kind of as my, my gut is feeling here. I feel that there is definitely some codependency issues going on. So I feel like this listener that's calling in, this is somebody who their entire life has been led trying to please other people. I feel like I may be kind of going off the cuff here, but if his entire life was dedicated towards trying to please his ex-wife, trying to please the people around him, yeah, definitely, dude, this needs to be your time. There, there needs to be that separation. And yeah, I would start maybe seeking, speaking to a therapist, asking them about codependency and tools that you can use to be able to, to move forward and to be able to heal that. Because as long as we're dealing with that, if you jump into a new relationship or anything like that, you're just going to be repeating those same cycles over again. Ooh, can I, you just made me think of a really good point as well. Um, maybe looking at like what it is that you miss about your ex-wife the most and then how can you give that to yourself? Ooh, I like Ooh, that. I like that. I like that a lot. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This is question number two. I just recently went through a breakup. The relationship only lasted six months, but it has impacted me in many ways. How do I cope from here on out? I've had a lot of failed relationships, and I feel like I have no hope left but to fly solo through the rest of my life. Any helpful advice would be helpful. Oh, I, I think you have a good story about... You probably, knowing your story, Bishop, I think you probably know better than anybody else um, here. Well, I don't know Ariel's story yet, but um, I, I think you might have some some good advice to contribute on this one. That was a really good way to say I don't want to go first, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I think any of us who have been through shit, which is almost all of us in life, we've felt this before. Personally, I'm still on my one year of no relationships, and it's not because I don't believe I can find somebody, but... I, too, attracted all of the walking red flags, and it came down to my energy. The energy you put out is what you're going to attract, good or bad, subconscious or conscious. It's really what you're going to get out of life. Everybody loves attention, and attention is easy to get. But just because somebody gives you attention doesn't mean they're really into you. It might just mean they're desperately lonely, and they feel exactly the same way you do. And they'd rather be with anybody than just be alone. That being said, being alone isn't a bad time. Give yourself time to actually get to know you, to figure out what's gone wrong in the past and to process it. If you fail to do this, if you just try to next your way into the next relationship or situationship or distraction, when you truly do find somebody that's good for you that you want to be with, all of this shit's going to come out and fuck it the hell right up. Now, I think something that's sticking with me here, I said that this relationship lasted only six months, but impacted them in many different ways. Now, I think we could probably change uh, some perspective in regards to this, because right now I feel like you're mourning the loss, which, I mean, that's okay. I mean, nobody can tell you, like, the right or the wrong way to grieve. But what you need to be looking at with this, you need to eventually get to a point where you see this as a learning opportunity. This six-month situationship or whatever you want to call it, this was helping to show you what it is that you actually want in a relationship. Now, maybe it wasn't the complete package and everything that you actually need, but this was a stepping stone in your journey, helping you figure out better 
what it is that you want, what it is that you don't want. And this is kind of moving forward towards that. If you can pick those parts out, but also be cognizant of the red flags and be wary of the red flags, this will help you in your journey when you are ready to make that step and try to jump into a relationship again. But I'm with Bishop on this one. If this has become a cycle, you got to break the cycle. And part of that is you got to take a time out. You got to take some time for yourself. Yes to that. My, my advice, fly solo for a little bit. Um, and in a way that, you know, is giving you space. You said that you've had many failed relationships. Okay, let's list them out. And are there any recurring themes that have been in this re- these failed relationships? Also, to Jeff's point of switching your perspectives, stop looking at this as a failure. Look at this as like the universe clearing away what you don't want. Try again. It's not rejection, it's redirection. Kind of what I said in the last, um, one of the other questions. Um, but yeah, fly, I love. I took a whole year off to just date myself. So I would take myself out on dates. I would just, it, you know, I would casually see people, but nothing committed. And I just had fun. And I focused on like, what makes me happy without somebody else next to me. And it was like when I became like that year, like that's when I met my now husband. And I was like, wait, no, get out of here. And I like broke up with him and then we got back together. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the best, some of the times the best thing you can do is fly solo and learn how to love yourself so that the next relationship that you get into, that's not what you're seeking. You're not looking for your other half, someone to come in and complete you. You are already whole and this person compliments you. And that is so frigging powerful. Um, I, I know a lot of people have heard me say this, and I'll say it again. Uh, reading is a great way to get through things and to understand things and to learn new perspectives. And the book, Single on Purpose, whether you're in a relationship, out of a relationship, in between, it doesn't matter. Uh, Single by Purpose by John Kim is an excellent read, and it will help you fall back in love with yourself. It is very healing. All right. Are we ready for the next question, everybody? Yeah. All right, Jeff, uh, this this one's kind of a little feedback on us. You ready? I was listening to your podcast this morning, and I have a question. You said not fighting is a red flag, right? But what if you communicate before it becomes a fight? That's different, right? Well, and I don't think that people necessarily have to fight. In a relationship, you're going to have disagreements. Of course, you know, they they say communication is key. There are going to be disagreements. Like, no matter who you are, no matter like what walk of life you come from, the two of you are not always going to see eye to eye. There are going to be disagreements. Now, when people say, well, my partner and I, like, we never fight. We never disagree. reason that's a red flag to me is my own personal experience. A lot of times, if that's, if that's happening, if there are no disagreements at all of any kind, then somebody is holding their tongue. Somebody is bottling things up. Somebody is repressing their true emotions in regards to situations and that eventually causes it is an explosive situation so i'd say if you're saying well we communicate before it ever becomes a fight is this truly what's going on are you truly sitting down do you guys have your disagreements but you're sitting down and handling things maturely rationally and talking it out like or is someone or another repressing their true feelings so and this is uh, one book that I'll refer to often. It's uh, called um, uh, Conscious Loving. And with that, it has in there the, the essential co-commitments. And one of the essential co-commitments is the I commit myself to revealing the microscopic truth about myself. 
And one of the things I like about this book is that like everything that it talks about in there is entirely focused on this is what you need to be able to commit to. You need to be able to commit to this. Your partner needs to be able to commit to this. You have to individually be able to commit to this to be able to have a more evolved conscious relationship. This isn't a, your partner needs to fix this, you know, in order. It's, it's entirely focused on these are the commitments that you personally need to make. So say with this, you know, to, to the listener that poses this question, I'd ask, you know, are you following that essential co-commitment? Are you dedicated to making sure that you are revealing the microscopic truth about yourself to your partner? I mean, I'm going to say ditto first off. But no, I mean, a fight doesn't have to be putting their shit on the lawn and setting it on fire and saying, don't talk to me for a week. It doesn't have to be slamming doors and storming around. A, a disagreement is needed at times. There needs to be, you know, a difference of opinion, a difference in communication. It's healthy to have those differences, just like Jeff was saying. And it's it's not a bad thing. Now, if you guys are like, throwing shit at each other, slapping each other around, that is an issue. No matter what, that is a huge red flag. And kudos to you if you really are communicating and, you know, nipping things in the bud before it becomes bigger and being open and honest about your feelings. Oh, shizzle. But yeah, this, you know, differences in feelings is not a bad thing, and having those little bit of differences is a great, healthy thing. Yeah, to both to what both of you said, ditto. Um, yeah, communicating before it comes becomes a fight is different. Like there is, there's huge differences, and this is actually something that uh, I've had to personally work on in my own relationship because my go- default setting is fight and then run away, <laughs> like just leave. <laughs> and I had to, you know, thankfully my husband is the most patient man in the world, and is like we can sit here and disagree. And, but still be able to have a communication that doesn't involve screaming at each other, you know, and both views can be heard and both, you know, we don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree, but it doesn't have to become this like full blown fight where I scream and leave the house. (laughs) (laughs) And I think one thing to remember too, is that unspoken expectations are a gateway to disappointment. Just be open and honest with your partner and communicate and you will have a great relationship that way. And if you fight, just say you're sorry. Yeah. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is like, okay, if you raised your voice, just go say you're sorry. I am was, you know, because typically we're not even upset at the person. We're upset about something completely different. We're just like, you know, taking it out on them. Sometimes. Sometimes it is the person. What did I say? The, the four hardest things in the world to say? I love you. I'm sorry. I need help. And Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) (laughs) I was just having that conversation with someone the other day. (laughs) All right, guys. This next one's kind of a two-parter. How can I keep my mind from wandering back to my past and what people have done to me? And how can I move past what they have done a little smoother? Who wants to go first? One, two, three, not it. You guys suck. (laughs) (laughs) Ariel did the nose goes again for those that can't see us because this is a podcast. (laughs) All right. How can I keep my mind from wandering back to my past and what people have done to me? Um, First off, why? If you keep going back to it, it means you have unresolved issues with that past. It means that there's still things to learn. There's things to process from it. Now, I I get you don't always want to dwell on things. And I'm going to give you a tool. I used this very tool for myself when I was going through my tower. It's really simple. 
if you're about to do something or if you're thinking about something, whether it be sending a message to someone you know you probably shouldn't or diving down to the rabbit hole that is the shit that is your past, ask yourself this very simple question. Is this going to help me or is this going to hurt me? And you don't really have to give the most complex thought to give an answer to that question. But it saved myself from going down the rabbit hole in the spiral so many times. It really did. But honestly, um, to get through this, focusing on it and actually dealing with it will typically remove it as something you need to go back and reflect on. Fresh things that just happened tend to stick with you for a little while longer. So yeah, it's going to make sense that it's on your mind. Now, how can I move past that or what they've done a little bit smoother? I think rule number one is sobriety. We often seek a distraction from the shit that we need to deal with the most. And it doesn't have to be sobriety from alcohol or from drugs or anything else. Netflix is a distraction. Having multiple online conversations with people and just always having somebody on the go you can talk to so you're never alone with your thoughts is a distraction. We live in the day and age of distraction. So actually giving what you're going through, the respect, the peace, and the time to deal with it is what's going to make it smoother. If you just continue to find a different way not to have to dwell on it and work through it, then you're going to fuck yourself up more for a longer time. The only way to deal with emotion is through it. So I'm going to fly off the cuff here. I'm going to say this, it's not going to be a simple, straightforward journey. Like I could give you every platitude in the world, but this has PTSD written all over it. And with this, there's going to be what they call schemas and triggers that are going to need to be isolated. So with this, what a schema is, is that this is a bit of programming. This is something that happens mentally as a defense mechanism, usually when these, when these cycles start in early childhood. And with, this pro, with the programming, it's, there's several different schemas. The most common one out there is abandonment. I think there's 18 different ones. And so when that abandonment trigger happens then the programming, the schema kicks in. You are no longer truly mentally in control. You are no longer really in control of your emotions. You just have a reaction. And then later on, you're like, well, why did I do that? This is not in my character. I don't know why I can't stay in control when presented with this. And I mean, the first key to this is to, you know, sit down with a therapist, isolate those triggers, find out what your schemas are. If you know what your triggers are, then this can begin the process of being able to deconstruct those cycles, being able to get out of that hamster wheel. But there is a lot that I am feeling coming off of this as far as just that PTSD cycle that they're stuck in. So this is going to take some deconstruction, but being able to be cognizant of what your triggers are and being very careful about who you have in your inner circle and the people that you trust and being able making sure that you surround yourself with people that you can trust to be open and honest about things like your triggers and know that they will be respectful and honor those. I mean, that's going to be very important as far as this healing journey goes, but there's a lot to deconstruct here. Yeah, a lot to deconstruct. And again, I want to like, you know, ask questions about this as well. Um, but I do have two things that I wanted to mention because I'm reading the question, how can I keep my mind from wandering back to my past and what people have done to me? So I don't know what people have done to you. I am assuming it is not good. And one thing that I want to remind you of 
is that hurt people hurt people, right? Like, so looking at what those, being able to look at those people who have hurt you and realize, like, this is not to give them an excuse, not at all, not to get them, not to give them a pass, but understanding that, like, they aren't, they are also hurting. Like, there is something going on with them, and whatever they did to you actually probably has nothing to do with you and has everything to do with them. Um, that's something that I have been able to, you know, and the people who have hurt me in my past be able to look back and be like, wow, well, that was a very unhealed person. And that allows me to move past it a little smoother. But then also just reframing as well. Like you're, you're saying what people have done to me. And that's a very much like victim mindset. So instead of saying, you know, oh, this person did this to me, it's look, I survived what this person did to me. You're not a victim, you're a survivor. And so just again, a mindset shift um, can also be help you move past this a little bit smoother. And I love therapy. I like it. All right, guys. What is the most important or meaningful piece of advice or life lesson you've ever received or given? One, two, three, not it, nose goes. Ha. I guess I guess I can go off of this one. I think um, kind of what Ariel said about hurt people, hurt people. Having to accountability would be the big thing that I've had to learn. And the thing that it's, it's a journey. It's something that I'm still working on. Um, the first stage of really being able to heal is really getting sick of your own shit. I think that I love that Jeff. Yes. And the most important piece of advice, life lesson that was given to me What's coming, I mean, I've had so many great things, but what's coming to mind is I had a spiritual and business mentor. Her name was Brianna Mosher. She was amazing. And she told me that everybody is in their own life raft and that you cannot save other people. And if you try to pull people into your life raft, you are going to drown yourself. It's kind of like that analogy, right? Like put your oxygen mask on first. And so you have to realize that like people are in their own life raft and they are fully capable humans of achieving what they want to do and try as you might to say, hey, this is the way that we should go avoid the rapids. It is ultimately their choice and you cannot control what someone else is going to do. They have their own life raft. They have the power to save themselves. And that has allowed me to get rid of the other form of codependency, which is where you try to save everybody. I read this once, I think it was on Facebook. Somebody shared it somewhere and I came across this and it's, it's always resonated with me. Never compare your behind the scenes to somebody else's silver screens. We have a ton of people in our life that we see that we think have it all together, that we look up to, that we wish we were more like, but we don't know the chaos behind the public figure that they present as themselves. So far too often, we're really putting ourselves down and living in that darkness saying, oh, if I could only just be like this person, but we have no clue the bullshit they've gone through. Now, I'm going to add the most important advice I've ever given or the meaningful, and I don't know why, but I was at work today kind of pondering these throughout my work day, and this memory came back to me out of the blue, which tells me I probably should share this. I used to live in St. Anthony, Idaho, and one of the members of the ward when I was going to church, yes, everybody who's listened to my story knows I was Mormon. Um, he came to me and he wanted to talk to me because he, for some reason, knew I had a different perspective on things. It could be the fact that I was covered in tattoos going to church in St. Anthony, Idaho. That might have been a key, I guess. 
Anyways, he comes up to me and he says, look, I, I just need to talk to you. I, I don't know what to do. My daughter has moved out of the house and she's working. She's paying her own way. But she just came to us and she told us that she's pregnant. And I just literally don't know what to do about this situation. And I said to him, I'm going to tell you what I wish somebody had told my parents when I was growing up under their household. You need to love them. You don't need to try to, you know, discipline them. You don't need to wave this in their face. You don't need to make this a religious experience and be shameful of them. They are your child and you love them. And that shouldn't change because of a choice and an outcome. There is nothing that they've done that you can make them feel worse about, but literally you just need to hold them tight and love them and let them know that they are still safe and you still care about them. So yeah, that's my uh, most important advice I've ever given. And I wish somebody had told my parents that when I was going through my shit as a kid. What we all want to hear. Yep. <laughs> Sit. Are, are you the first one to cry in the podcast room? I probably will be because <laughs> I'm like such an open crier. I like cried all the way over here because the mountains were so pretty. <laughs> There's no crying in baseball. Oh my God, well, too bad. <laughs> all right. Number seven, what would you want others to know before considering opening their relationship? Run! 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeff and I have both lived the open relationship. Ariel is not, so I'm kind of curious what your take on this question is. Well, you know, it's interesting because I used to think that, like, I wanted to be in an open relationship. I was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. That's a good time. And then um, my now husband when we were dating he was like yeah no <laughs> like I'm not down for that and I was like okay so you know but um I mean now now when I think about it I'm like yeah I don't I mean if yeah it seems seems like there's other stuff that like why do you think that you need more and what do you think that extra openness is going to give you like is it actually you wanting to be open or are you just like you have FOMO and you don't want to like miss out on something so yeah that's kind of my take on it what's the real reason you want to open a relationship let's go talk about that and see if you can uncover maybe just like some deep shit <laughs> sorry can I cuss on the Yes, you can cuss on the podcast. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Except for that word. I'm just oh, kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm fucking offended. Ah! <laughs> fuck. <laughs> for anybody who has children listening right now, sorry, not so sorry, sorry. We are the people you don't put on speakerphone. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll second what Ariel said um, about... Really considering what are the real reasons that uh, you're considering opening the relationship. Saw so, uh, something somewhere that said, a baby is not going to fix your relationship. A threesome is not going to fix your relationship. And opening the relationship is not going to fix the relationship. Like, what is truly going on? I think in a lot of cases, because um, I have had people come to me that have said, asked me, Jeff, you've lived this kind of lifestyle before. Um my partner and I were considering making the plunge. What advice can you give me? And the more that I question them, like, well, why is it that you guys want to do this? Usually find that there isn't always the greatest of intentions behind it. And like Ariel said, a lot of it is, it's a FOMO thing. It's, I hear all kinds of stories like, well, like, you know, my, 
like since I got pregnant and I've had a couple of kids, I don't have quite the energy for to be able to keep up with my husband anymore. So I was thinking maybe if I just give him a little bit more freedom there, then I'm like, no, no, this is this is truly a recipe for disaster. But that notwithstanding, you know, if we're going beyond just like the really evaluating what the reasons are that you're considering this to begin with, would be all the things that come with it that people don't consider before making the plunge. So with that, I mean, of course, there's various different flavors, shall we say, of an open relationship. There's swinging, there's the ethical non-monogamy, there's what they call unicorn polyamory, which is, you know, the... The, the mythical triangle where you have like the 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 bisexual in in there that goes both ways and it's kind of a closed triangle thing there's all kinds of different dynamics what kind of dynamic is this that you guys are going to be looking at have you even considered this like is this going to be like a hierarchy thing is your primary partner going to have veto power when it comes to who you're dating and who you're not dating how is your communication? Because in order for this to work at all, there has to be absolutely perfect communication with all parties that are involved. Not only that, but if you are, if you and your partner are now dating other people, keep in mind, when you're dating somebody, you're not just dating that person. You're dating that person's family. You're dating that person's circle. So in the world of polyamory, you have what they call paramours and metamors. So like a paramour is somebody that you're romantically involved in. A metamor will be somebody that the person that you're romantically involved in with is romantically involved with, but you're not romantically involved with them. So as I'm going into this, you see how we are weaving a web. All of these complicated personal stories and interrelationships you have this person over here who doesn't like this person over here, and you are having to juggle this giant web of all of these intertangled, interpersonal um, connections, and it can be quite overwhelming. And I know in my case and a lot of other stories that I've heard, you, you lose yourself in the process, especially if you're the fixer. You tend to be the fixer. You're the one that everybody comes to when they need advice or when they need emotional support. You have to make sure that if you're going into this kind of dynamic that, yeah, it's like Ariel was saying, make sure that you're putting your own life mask on first. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can have the kind of communication that's that's needed in order to truly make that kind of a dynamic work. And another thing that I will say in regards to any kind of an open relationship situation is with that network of all the people that you're involved with, if you have one element within that network that's toxic, the entire network is now toxic. So these are all, you know, this big complicated web of things that need to be considered. Now, there are, are people that I know that are able to live this lifestyle. They're able to make this work. This is just by default the way that they're wired. Kudos to them. Me personally, been there, done that. Bought the t-shirt, lost the t-shirt in the divorce. Sorry. I had to learn. I, I had to funny. fuck around and find out. Like it's 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 not for me. So I'd say really make sure you do your research. Make sure you know why you're going into this. Make sure you have an action plan as to how you're going to execute it. 
what it's going to look like. And then just, once again, communication is key. And no, you're not just dating other people. You're dating that person's entire network of all the people that are involved with them as well. I think those are both outstanding answers. Um, you stole a lot of my shit, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there. I feel like you've lived this and have a personal preference and experience uh, yeah. on this, Jeff. Yeah, it's I almost think... like a tower episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, in all honesty, open relationships, polyamorous relationships, they're real and they're valid. It is a thing and it does work for some people. Now, what would you want others to know before considering opening their relationships? My first question would be, be honest with yourself, are you a jealous person? Because if you are, you are dooming yourself to failure and unhappiness. That is like the number one question to ask yourself. But Jeff is right. Everybody else is right. Why? Uh, a different relationship like that won't open it. If you already have rocky communication and a rocky relationship, you're going to sink the boat. It'll be a distraction. It'll be fun. It'll be horrifying. There will be roller coasters. People will die, emotionally at least. Hopefully not physically. But no, seriously, it's, it's not a repair. If that's how you're wired, if you're both on board with it, and you have that open, honest communication, and you're prepared to see somebody else play with your partner's happy place and be okay with it, then by all means, go down that road if you really want to. But if you're a jealous person, run. Because jealousy and that kind of relationship will destroy whatever relationship you do have. Other than that, I don't have a lot else to say because everybody else had amazing answers. So that's All right, this is the last question of our first listener mail episode. If you could go back and change anything that has happened to you in the past, go back and change it and why? And if not, uh, leave it as it is and why? Ooh, I will take this one on um, because I'm like, <laughs> there's nothing I would go back and change uh, just because it, everything that I've done has gotten me to where I am today. Um, there are like terrible things that I, you know, so, I mean, it is stuff that I kind of do want to go back and change. I'm like, shit, that would have saved me like a lot of time, energy and money. But at the same time, like there was so much that did redirect me to, I would go back and maybe start my business sooner because <laughs> I tried and then I got scared and gave up. No, I think that's awesome. Uh, I'm also in the I wouldn't change anything boat. Now, when I was in my tower in the start of the tilt, when it was the leaning tower and not the falling, oh my God tower, and even in that part of it, I, I spent a lot of time just wishing I could change things or go back and do something different. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the bullshit I've put myself through, been put through and lived is who's made, it's what's made me who I am today. And I feel like I'm a much better person for who I am today than I was before I went through everything. Well, fuck you guys. You kind of stole everything I was going to say. So. Oh, so you know how it feels, don't you? <laughs> okay, so just to be contrary, I'd say I, I would have gone back and I would have bought Bitcoin the first time that I heard about it when I was looking to heal <laughs> the I heard about it when it was 20 bucks and I regret it. If I, if, I if I would have heard about it when it was like five bucks, even after the, the cryptocurrency crash and everything, I'd still be sitting pretty. But no, yeah, you can go through and you know, play the, the game of, uh, you know, what could have been, how you could have done things different or whatnot. But I mean, in the end, yeah, like all of the terrible things that I've gone through, there there wasn't a, a horrible thing that I went through that didn't make me a better person in the end. It's the whole butterfly effect thing. You change one little thing, it changes everything. That's why I don't want to do it. I'm afraid <laughs> it'll ruin everything. It's so true. <laughs>
Well, everybody, this has been our first listener question episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and you've learned something. And I hope that if you send us a question, you actually listen to this and get your answers. Uh, once again, you can reach out to us by giving us a call or a text at 435-538-9556. We do have an email, and I'm going to be honest, I don't check it often enough. So if you really want to hear from us, the voicemail or text method is the best method. So after we end this episode, we are going to be recording Ariel's Tower, which will be airing November 13th. And also send Carrier Pigeon as well. That takes a while. <laughs> all right, everybody. Did we have fun tonight? Yes. No, I didn't have any fun at all. I'm dreading every second I spent here. I'm going to get the first one. I'm going to call my mom. I want to go home. That's it. You hit the flag bolt midnight. <laughs> all right, everybody. That is the end of the Good night, everybody. Like and subscribe. <laughs>